Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. France has formally uh, banned domestic flights on short routes that can be covered by a train in less than two and a half hours in a move aimed at reducing airline emissions. Now, the change, which came into effect this week, will mostly rule out air trips between Paris and regional hubs such as Lyon and Bordeaux with connecting flights unaffected. Now, some have said that the French law will be a test case for governments around the world. Here's a brief report from France 24. If the journey can be made by train in less than two and a half hours, the commercial flight is off the table. Christophe Béchu... Junior Minister of the Green Transition tweeted that this was one more step towards the decarbonisation of our transport. But critics call it at best a symbolic gesture and at worst scandalous greenwashing. The lines affected will be the Paris-Nantes, Paris-Lyon and Paris-Bordeaux connections from the Paris airport of Orly, lines which have not been running since Covid. And for the ban to apply, it has to be possible to take the train both ways in the same day leaving eight hours in between in the destination city, creating a loophole for flights to Roissy-Charles-de-Gaulle, another airport in the greater Paris region. The ban also does not apply to connecting flights. Well, joining me now to talk about uh, this move in France is Dr. Simon Donner, climate scientist and professor at the University of British Columbia. Dr. Donner, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on this afternoon. Your thoughts on this? I mean, I think something like this was coming, that eventually a country was going to decide that short-haul flights aren't worth it if we can replace them with other forms of transportation. But at the same time, this is pretty unique to France. It would be hard to do in a lot of other places. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to assume Canada would be one of those places just simply because of our size. Yeah, and there's really kind of two issues here. One is size, and just, but the other one is just infrastructure. For anyone who's listening who's ever been to France, France has a national train network with really high-speed trains. So you can go a long distance in two and a half hours. You know, here in Canada, it takes four hours to take the train from, from you know, from Vancouver to Seattle. So that wouldn't even count uh, here. And so part of it is that France has the infrastructure that frankly makes short-haul flights kind of silly. You should take the train. Mm-hmm. Uh, having taken the train in France, you're absolutely right. It, I mean, the, the infrastructure is, is uh, significant. Uh, and at the same time, they have, a, I guess, a greater density of population as well to perhaps justify some of that infrastructure spending uh, as well. For countries like Canada uh, that are watching this, what are the lessons for us? Well, one of, one of the lessons is just seeing how seriously other countries are taking climate change. You know, air travel represents little under 3% of global emissions. So it's not the biggest source of greenhouse gas emissions, but it is one that has been growing over time. I think we all can sense that, just knowing how much more crowded airports have become over time, you know, taking out, obviously, the gap of the pandemic. And what we're seeing now is countries are starting to not just look at the big source of emissions. It's not just about, you know, electricity. It's not just about how we heat and cool our homes. We're trying to go after everything. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes down to it, if we want the planet to stop warming, mm-hmm. we have to stop adding greenhouse gases to the atmosphere. And that means looking at every source. 
Uh, you raise a very good point. I had uh, John Valiant on uh, yesterday. He's got a, a wonderful book uh, on the uh, Fort McMurray fire uh, from 2016. I had him on the show yesterday. We had a fabulous conversation uh, of, of just how it started and the impact it had on people. In the last couple of weeks, even on this show, we've talked about municipal governments potentially looking at uh, making landlords responsible for cooling systems just as they were for or just as they are for heating systems. We've talked about schools needing cooling systems. We've talked about how do you have cooling centers. Uh, I guess this is a broader conversation now in society that we climate change is part of that broader conversation that we that, which is impacting our policy conversation. It's impacting how do we keep our kids school, uh, cool at school, which we've talked about this week. We've talked to, we're talking to a, a grandmother who is collecting old uh, air conditioners uh, in Port Moody so she can make them available to senior citizens who are stuck at home during uh, a, a heat event. Uh, so I guess this is part of the broader conversation. It, it, those little things are all part of the broader conversation now, aren't they? They, they absolutely are. We are, whether you like it or not, we have no choice but working to prepare for and to prevent climate change because we are in Canada seeing the impacts. You know, I think I've been studying this issue for 25 years. And when I started, climate change was something you were supposed to go somewhere else to see. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the idea was that you wouldn't see the impacts here at home. But that's really changed. I think everybody across the country, especially here out in Vancouver and in British Columbia have experienced the impacts of climate change from the heat dome to the forest fires, to the terrible flooding we had, even to the high sea level event that washed that barge up onto the beach downtown a couple winters ago. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, we're all seeing the effects. It, what I think we, it would be really important for people to focus on. Certainly we talk about like schools and, and cities and homes in the city and homes is what can we do that will both help us reduce emissions and help us prepare for climate change, because as it is, we're not adapted enough. And we saw that during the heat dome, how many people died. So a good example of that is how we heat and cool our homes. The most logical thing for buildings and homes in Vancouver is to use electric heat pumps rather than natural gas. Because guess what? An electric heat pump doesn't emit greenhouse gases and they work both directions. So you get both heating and cooling. So they both help prevent climate change as well as help uh, prepare for it. What other one or two things do you think? I mean, you know, we have uh, uh, clean hydroelectric power, relatively clean hydroelectric power. What are the other things? Uh, the heat pump issue is a, is a really important one. We just did a segment on that last week as well. Uh, but is it building codes that we need to be focusing on? Be, I know automotive emissions would probably be another one, but I think that transition is occurring relatively quickly depending on pricing for vehicles. But what are the one or two other things where you'd like to see some numbers of the, the, this, the, that would help us drive down our, our, our GHG numbers? Well, in the Metro Vancouver region, most of our emissions are from transportation and from heating and cooling buildings. And it is because, like you said, we have the advantage of this really low to almost zero carbon electricity grid because of hydropower. So if anyone in the world you know, can get to sort of zero emissions, it should be us mm-hmm. here in the lower mainland. And so to me, it's working on that heating and cooling, working towards electric heat pumps or just at least district energy systems like we have here in um, Canby Corridor in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the vehicle level, it's remembering that this isn't just about passenger vehicles, but we also have to think about those larger vehicles, trucks, medium and heavy duty vehicles, which are harder to decarbonize. It's harder 
to shift them over to batteries. We need to be looking at all sorts of different solutions. Mm-hmm. And also what passes for vehicles. <laughs> we, we all don't need SUVs. Some of us may, but not all of us. So that's part of the conversation <laughs> as Absolutely. well. Yeah. Do- uh, Dr. Donner, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Thank you.